Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Sonoma Blakely, an incredibly inspiring and amazing young woman. In 2019, at just age 18, she won the prestigious Tevis Cup for endurance horse racing, the youngest woman to ever achieve this. She's really wise beyond her years, and in her book, Chasing Dreams, we read of how family, commitment, dreaming, and building have been the basis of what she has achieved in just her young life at this point. Sonoma Blakely, good morning, and thank you so greatly for being with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be on the show. Well, you're certainly welcome, but for me, I am feeling quite privileged that we get a chance to have a conversation because I'm so inspired by who you are and what you've done and and who knows where you're going to be going. Um, more of the same is certainly, you know, totally wonderful and great. So we're talking about the fact that you've written about your experiences in your young, young life, the book Chasing Dreams, the true story of the youngest female Tevis Cup champion. So that that in itself is a ton of information. And when we're talking about the youngest female champion, we're talking about just 18 years old, right, Sonoma? Yes, that is correct. And that is really an amazing feat. That is not common at all to have happen. No, it's really not. It was, yep, a lot of a lot of young, when I was young, a lot of work went into getting ready for, you know, winning the Tevis Cup at 18. So a lot of childhood memories go into to training horses. And and so I think that's really a critical part of it. It didn't just happen that you set your aim on that and waited until maybe you turned 17, but it, right from a very young age. And there's pictures in your book, Chasing Dreams, of you as a, a little toddler already on a horse. So you grew up in a horsey environment, really. I did, yeah. I was really fortunate that my parents both share a passion for horses and raised me and my brother into that lifestyle. So, you know, before I could walk, I was sitting on top of a horse. That in itself is, a, a, I think, a wonderful story. Just something that so many families could really glean some real inspiration from. For you, it was horses. For other families, it could be other things that they do. But to find this common interest and passion and how you went about it really is just so remarkable and really a a, a model, I feel, for any of us to to emulate. Uh, So thank you and thank your family for being so wonderful about how you've uh, shaped your lives. Well, thank you. Yes, I have a a lot of appreciation for my parents. And so they were actually horse people or interested in horses um, from earlier on in their lives, true, and then found each other, and uh, this is the life they built. Yeah, that's, that's right. So my mom, she grew up in a city and where horses aren't quite as accessible or affordable, and so he always loved horses, had that passion as a kid, you know, would spend her allowance money to go get riding lessons or something. And my dad grew up on a ranch in eastern Oregon, working every day with a horse. And then as they, you know, met, that was one of my dad's early wedding gifts to my mom, was a horse. And so that childhood 
dream of always owning a horse. And I would bet, because she had such a passion already, she was just elated with that gift. Yes, I think it was one of the best gifts you could have given her. Uh, and, and so it then continued to grow and blossom with your brother and then with you. And, and really making this such a family enterprise, you are all so really deeply bonded with each other. We are, yes. I am my brother. He's my best friend, and we spend a lot of time together. And I think just having that, that common passion of, you know, training, racing horses, riding horses, and it's such a big team sport, even though you know, it's a team between you and your horse, but then also as a stable, bringing out the best in each horse. Sometimes one horse clicks better with a different family member or something. So it's definitely a, a team effort. So remarkable. I'm, I'm just loving it. And this book, Chasing Dreams, really does give us such detailed insights into this, a really captivating story. And again, you know, I want to say, like, really a wonderful model for any of us to create within our families, to have that connection and support, and really be able to know that someone is there having your back all the time. And you develop, I mean, you need that, and you develop it as you're going through through uh, the races, especially doing an endurance race. Yeah, for sure. Endurance racing is, you know, the name is endurance racing, so it's not it's not easy. It's something that is a, a lot of work, a lot of effort goes into that. And, you know, physical endurance, of course, because it's the sport, but then also the emotional and mental endurance is just dealing with different things with competition and then with the added element of, having a, an equine partner that you have to care for because, you know, they can't tell you how they're feeling. So then you have to be very assertive of knowing, you know, if, if they're doing all right and riding them well. So I think it, it's definitely a challenge. And endurance racing, I had no idea what this thing was prior to encountering your book, Chasing Dreams. It is just so amazing. And I bet most people or many people don't know what it's all about. So can you just give us kind of an encapsulated version of what endurance racing is, Sonoma? That's okay. So it's um, a race between 50 to 100 miles on a horse. And so you have a cutoff time to complete this either 50 to 100 miles. And there's some races in between, like 75 miles. And there are shorter races that are 25 miles as well. And so for 25 miles, you have six hours to complete those 25 miles. For 50, you have 12 hours. And for 100, you have a 24-hour cutoff time. And so you're, you're moving. You're, it's a race. There's obviously competition, but also not just against other horse and rider teams, but you're also competing against the elements just because you're out on trails, often in more remote areas, and just 50, 100 miles of trail is wearing. So you have rocks that if your horse steps on them, funny, you know, or even just as exhausting as it is to ride, dehydration, dehydration for the horse, all these different um, factors that really add to the challenge. But then as because equine or horse welfare is so vital in this sport, they do have veterinarian stops throughout the course of the day where they'll stop your time and a vet examines your horse and checks them just to make sure that 
they're healthy, they're eating, they're drinking, they're they they're not sore in any way, don't have any muscle tightness, cramps or lameness just from stepping on a rock or anything like that. And that I was so impressed with that. Uh, uh, perhaps it's just more natural in races, but it was so insightful to me that this was happening, and really the the care of the animal is is so central here. And in fact, there's an award to the horse as well for for placing in having what the the best physical shape after the end of the race. Exactly. And so that's something I really appreciate about the sport of endurance is it's not as well-known of a sport. It's not as mainstream as, you know, track racing or dressage or reining or some of these other bigger sports that are more high profile. But um, because endurance is smaller, it does care a lot about the, the welfare of the horse, taking care of the horse. And it is a demanding sport for the horses, too. So just making sure that they're well cared for and staying healthy throughout the long day, you know, spending, you know, maybe five or ten hours out on the trail. They they can get a little tired, so taking good care of the horse is super important. Yes. And considering the trail that you are on, particularly here in the Tevis Cup, it's mind-boggling. I, I cannot imagine. I don't like heights. I do not like even driving in the mountains where I see these big drop-offs and I'm in a car. But here you're on a horse with a very narrow path. I, I simply can't imagine. And you have to just be so at one with the horse that it, there's a real trust and, and you just do it as you obviously did because uh, in 2019, you you won the cup. Yeah definitely an amazing feeling to have that bond with the horse to where you fully trust them and especially the Tevis Cup does have a lot of narrow trails it has a lot of steep drop-offs you're often on hillsides where the trail is just cut out into the hillside and one wrong step from the horse and you could slide down thousands hundreds of thousands of feet down the hillside and so the the trail is very technical but also just having that bond is so satisfying where you know you've worked so hard with this horse that you're basically trusting your life to this animal to take you carefully through these trails and it's it's a race you don't just take any horse to for sure you put in your homework and make sure that they're ready to take on that trail but yeah that's just it's an amazing feeling to know that you have that bond that trust with your horse and it's something that you can't go out and just buy it or something it's something you have to put in a lot of a lot of work with your horse and a lot of effort to to be there, and so it's a it's a great feeling. Mm. I, I can't even imagine, except thinking about the, the simple little bond I have with my dog, and then I multiply oh. that about a hundred times, and think that's what's happening when you're out on a trail. Yeah, <laughs> I think horses and dogs they they have a lot in common. They're basically just big dogs. They <laughs> love snacks and belly rubs, you know. <laughs> Yes, your description of how the horse, horses would nuzzle and look for treats or give you a, a hug, the wrapping themselves around you, just so endearing and lovable. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm very partial, but I, I love my horses, and I and they love their job, too. That's something really neat, especially about Arabians, because they were bred for this endurance racing to go 
really long. I mean, they're not the fastest breed out there, but they can go forever. And so that's something that I, I really love about the Arabs is how much they love their jobs, just being out on the trail. And it's neat to see how they get competitive with each other. And it, when sometimes one horse will be on break after a race and everybody else is out training, they'll get grumpy because they're not able to be out training or if they're injured and they have to be in a stall, they want to be working. So it's fun to work with it animal that loves their job as much as I do. And that is what your family does together as well. You know, getting back to what goes on with your stables is that you train the horses and they are sold worldwide for for endurance races around the world. So you obviously as a family, know what you're doing and really just have that instinct about what horse to get and what to do with them and wh- when it's time to, l- to let them go. And, and that's a whole other story that you and your family, I, I, I so admire on, on how you, you just manage that to, to make it work to do something that you love. Yeah, it's really neat. And it's been, been fun just over the years learning, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, through trial and error, you learn what works, what doesn't work, and then learning what qualities in a horse are really valuable, you know, for an endurance horse. You want a horse that loves to go, that loves their job, but also not one that just wants to race 24-7 because that gets exhausting as a rider if you're trying to pace them and tell them, no, 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 we have to go a little slower. So a nice balance between that. You want one that has, you know, a good mind. A lot of times people will say, oh, my horse is crazy. He would make a good endurance horse. <laughs> you know, like, no, they need to have a lot of senses about them, especially on a trail like Tevis where they have to be fully focused and in tune with what's going on around them. So having wits too and being a smart horse is valuable. And then also just, you know, we've trained a lot of horses over the years and seeing the different potential each one has. And sometimes a horse is content to just be a, I mean, not just a trail horse. A lot goes into a trail horse too, but they don't have to race. And so then finding them a home where somebody absolutely loves the horse and mm-hmm. they'll spend every every extra minute with that horse and create a bond, even if they're not racing. It's so satisfying. We love finding horses that maybe weren't in a great situation or weren't being used maybe somebody didn't appreciate their value and then training them and finding where they will excel. And it's where you kind of joke that we're like matchmakers because <laughs> we like finding new courses and finding the, their perfect human that fits with them. And sometimes that's more satisfying than having that your own bond with that horse and finding somebody else that'll appreciate the horse. Oh, that is a very mature and philosophical way to look at it and beautiful that is just so amazing and and actually i really get a sense of that for how you have you had that and have it uh but how goober came to you uh, that is because goober is the horse that you rode and won the tavis cup with but this was a a horse. When I first read that you found this horse for free on um, Craigslist, I thought this is impossible. How could that happen? And and yet it was. I think again, the the woman who owned the horse had a very valid reason and and understandable. And and here you were able to welcome this horse and really provided a good home. And look at won this cup. 
yeah, I think that's that's the fun part about it too. Is sometimes and very seldom have we encountered people that purposely don't care for a horse or. Usually, all the horses we get are being very well cared for, just you know, maybe misplaced or something. And that was the case too with Goober, the woman that we got him from. She did all she could to give him the best home, the best care, because he did have that um, injury in his stifle to where he didn't think he was going to make a good sport horse. He didn't seem to have that. The vet's diagnosis was very negative that he would recover from that. And so when we got him, it was definitely a big, well, it wasn't too big of a risk because he was a really nice horse, but if he would have never been found to to ride, he would have made a gorgeous pass because he's a beautiful horse. But it's one of those things that we did take a a decent risk on him, just training him all those years, knowing that he had this condition. And so then when he ended up winning the Tevis Cup, especially with a name like Goober that... 100% 100% lives up to you. Got more personality than three horses combined. But it just makes it that much more satisfying to know that we've given this horse the best chance that he could have had. You know, and who knows, sometimes when there's three horses on Craigslist, a lot of um, sellers or people that are rehoming them will vet the potential buyers or the people that are acquiring these horses. But sometimes they will end up in a bad situation just because they are free and mm-hmm. so knowing that Goober came to us and we we created a, a undeniable bond that you know he's my good buddy so <laughs> this is fun exactly and just um, that care the the compassion that comes through there's just so much that is so good about humankind and animal kind that comes through when you nurture those feelings and and going into it, that can happen just because you have them as quote a pet and you ride them for fun but uh, here part of it is a business for your family uh, but part of it is love too you're able to be around horses which you all obviously really love and and are able to make it work for yourselves and and make others happy too and the horses are happy yeah they are and i think that's sometimes some of the hardest though when you've spent years maybe working with a horse and then realizing that they would be better off with someone else or sometimes you buy a horse just as an investment purely that we're going to train this horse we're going to raise the horse get it into the sport of endurance and then sell it as a proven endurance horse and increase the value of this horse. Sometimes, you know, there's both sides. But either way, just because you're working with this animal, this living thing, it's not not to be negative or anything about somebody that works with, like a mechanic that works on a car or something, but they do have this personality to where it's impossible to not have a bond, a feeling, have this attachment. And so then letting go, saying goodbye with every horse, each individual horse has come through and teaches you something, whether it's just being a better rider because they challenge you or how to, some horses just need more patience than others. Some need more, you know, just calmness. And some horses are super laid back and you know, easygoing. And so then you need to put more energy into that relationship to get them to perform their best. And so whatever it is, is having that you 
learn so much from each horse. You take away a piece of every horse, and then each horse molds you into the equestrian or the rider, the trainer that you are. And so I think, you know, Hoover and I, we won Tevas 2019, but there were so many horses that along the way had contributed to that point that I could accomplish that. Mm. And, you know, as you share that, Sonoma, I, I can't help but think that you just have a natural uh, affinity to horses that you just learn, that there's no, there, there's not book learning that's gone into this. This is just instinct and, and paying attention and uh, just a, a natural awareness. Is that fair yeah. to say? Is it? I think so. And I think that's the... The thing that I'm I'm so fortunate that I was able to grow up with them as a kid to where sometimes, you know, after school or in summer breaks, my brother and I, we would just be playing with our horses for hours a day. And, it, you know, some most schoolmates would have other classmates over to play with. And, you know, my brother and I, we would be playing with our horses, whether it was just riding them around bareback. We would read our books on the backs of our horses and <laughs> climb under them. You know, whatever you could do with a horse as a kid, take them swimming, dump them, whatever. My brother and I were probably doing it. And so then just you learn to, I think, a lot by experience. And there's, there's definitely a lot of things that I still need to learn. I'm not saying I know everything about horses. There's so much to learn and so many different disciplines to explore. But I think it definitely helps to have that, the bond and the, feel for the horse so where you you can understand or predict kind of even when they're being unpredictable why they're doing things what yeah where it's all coming from you know and in that as you share stories about the other rides the uh endurance rides that go on and the people that you encounter it seems to be a community that really wants to support each other support the animal and even though it's competition, but it's a real, like, I guess, friendly competition or a caring competition. It is. That's the thing I really appreciate about endurance, too, is just because of the challenge, it's one of those things that everybody knows out on the trail what you're going through. It's not something that you can be too, and then there's obviously exceptions, there's, and as in any sport, but usually people know that if you're out there, you're riding your horse and something's not going great, they want to help you because at the next ride, maybe they'll have lost a shoe and will need help, need a spare easy boot or a spare shoe or something. And so it's definitely, you're trying to help each other because you know how hard it is to get a horse conditioned and ready for a race. And then to be in a race and racing. And obviously I'm a competitive rider. I like to do as well as my horse and I can. And so there's that element of competition, but also that it's because it's an endurance sport. And I think that the organizations that host the races, AERC and the Pacific Northwest Endurance Ride, they do a really well, a really good job of promoting that, you know, community feel, supporting the young generation of endurance riders, having special awards for kids that are out because it's not easy to be out there all all day covered in trail <laughs> dust and sweat. And, you know, I think 
as a group of endurance riders, at the end of the day, we aren't the prettiest people out. <laughs> we're definitely sweat covered and covered in horse sweat and dust and, you know, all that fun stuff. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of bonding, I think, being out on the trail and knowing that what you're going through, everyone else out on the trail is going through, too. So you're saying it's really about love because that's what carries you through. It isn't for glamour, certainly. And and winning is great, but still, with, you know, what you just described is like, oh, I don't know. Do I like the idea of being covered in sweat and horse stuff? And <laughs> yeah. No, there's, sometimes I think we're all just a crazy bunch out there. <laughs> there's, there's no money in it. And I don't know why we're out doing it, but it's fun. It's super addicting, and that's the problem is once you, you start racing horses and then you see the horse's potential, you see what they could be, and then you bring out another horse and you want to know what they can do. And it's a, a sport, I think, starting it, I didn't think I would still be into it after, let's see, it's been like 15 years maybe now. But you know, here we are, we're still racing horses. So you know, every year it gets more exciting. So it's it seems to me that maybe it's all about just becoming a better person because that would be the reward. And I think there's so much reward in that and, you know, developing yourself. And, and as I had, you know, started out saying how I admire you as a family, how you've really bonded and encouraged each other and created this amazing life, that maybe that's where the reward is. There's that dedication. I think that that's a really good point that you make. And I think it's totally true. And especially, you know, I... I don't know if I can talk about this, but, you know, being out on the trail all the time and just being on an animal, you feel so connected to creation, to a creator, being out there. I think it really tunes, anyways, for me and my family, it really brings us into tune with, you know, with God and with the bigger picture, kind of. Mm. Which I think really ties back into why we strive to be a better person, to excel with whatever gift we've been given as we're born into this world. I think maybe it all kind of meshes together in that. I think think that's a a really nice way to look at it. I totally agree with that. Mm. Well, I really am so in awe of of you and of your family, as I've said. Thinking about the Tevis Cup and when you won it in 2019, then was that uh, somewhat of a surprise for you? Um, I yes, it was. It was one of those things that you know, in the back of your mind, you're thinking maybe I can pull this off. But going into that race, because the Tevis Cup, it is the the most famous and the most difficult hundred mile horse race in the world. So people are coming from all over the world to compete in it from all over the U.S. It's the most competitive endurance race in the United States. And so just having that element of competition, being, I myself felt like a total underdog because mm-hmm. here I was, 18 years old. I hadn't been super successful at Tevis in the past. My parents and my brother had been, but for some reason I just couldn't quite get the, the Tevis cut down. I finished it when I was 12 and then had a few pulls throughout. It has a 50% completion rate because it's such a difficult course and it has 19,000 feet of elevation gain, 21,000 feet of elevation loss. You're riding in July, August, the hottest part of the year. It's in California across the Sierra Mountains. And it's a, it's a really difficult race. So I didn't 
had that experience coming into the race. Goober, my horse that I was riding, he had, we got him for free off of Craigslist at two. He'd had some health issues as a young horse that were kind of flaring back up right early 2019. And so we had a lot of vet visits with him. We were working with him, trying to get him ready for this race. And then going into that race, it was, okay, well, maybe I have a chance at winning this because I know if we have a great day, Uber has the potential to. And, you know, I have nothing to lose at this point. So, but actually, every stop, I think, gaining a little bit of confidence, like, hey, Uber's doing really well today, but also having that self-doubt of, here I am riding, you know, the top 10 horse, half the riders had won it before or had you know, represented the United States at World Equestrian Games overseas internationally. And everybody that I was riding around or riding with had an impressive ride resume, was, you know, a big name rider, somebody that was either my hero or somebody, you know, intimidated by. Mm-hmm. And so riding up until we crossed that finish line, I I hoped, I dreamt that I would win it, but I didn't know for sure that I was happen. And it did. And I congratulate you. It was, your story is just, again, so amazing. It's really a must read. And I feel that for all ages, certainly for young girls, it's great. But for anyone, man or woman at any age, there's just so much here for all of us to learn from and to grow from. And all too quickly, our time is wound down, uh, Sonoma, but I really want to have people connect with you if they can. And a good way to do that would be? I have an Instagram account that I am actively posting on. My Instagram handle is Sonoma Blakely. And we have a website where we post a lot about our horses that we're training at the moment, horses that have come and gone to our stables, and then just updates on ride results and a little bit of family history and also I'm posting some of my blogs and articles and my book is on there as well and that is blakelystable.webs.com. So Chasing Dreams available at all of our favorite book sources, right Sonoma? That's correct. And if it's not there, ask for it and it will be ordered and that will be doing not just yourself but so many others a favor for having the book available. Well, again, Sonoma Blakely, it's been such a privilege to speak with you. I just uh, really admire who you are. I admire your life. And thank you so greatly for spending time with us this morning. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. It's been a pleasure. That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Sonoma Blakely and Sunday Morning Magazine with Jeff Arnold. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of adventures, discovering something new. Listen with new ears. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women 
on Warm 106.9. Good morning.